welcome to another edition of Lit These Days. This is a very special episode because we have our very first guest on the show. Um, Olivia Dolphin is the founder and editor-in-chief of Wizards in Space Literary Magazine. We know each other because I was the editor-in-chief of the Mark Literary Review for a while, and we've kind of seen each other around the online literary space. So thank you so much for being here today. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Thank you both for having me. And I'm a big fan of the Mark and the work you're doing there. So I'm so excited to kind of realign and and be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So we just have some questions for you because you have an upcoming release that's coming out on the 15th, right? Yeah, our pre-order campaign ends on the 15th and the book itself will be... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a cat. <laughs> my cat is a special guest for those that aren't watching on the video right now. Um, yes, yeah, so my cat p- saw your cat. She'll be in too. So we'll, be, we'll have several it's guests. A, it's a big episode. party. Um, yeah. So our pre-order campaign ends on the fifteenth, and the book itself will be released sometime in November. And our deadline is a little like our launch date, I should say, is a little up in the air because um, there's just a lot of like printing. Like the printers are backed up because of like COVID and supply chains. Mm-hmm. And things like that and shipping you know but so our release will be sometime in november but the pre-order which helps us like figure out printing needs and things like that ends on the 15th okay awesome well we want to definitely get into that and ask a little bit more about that but first we kind of just wanted to um for our listeners who don't know what wizards in space is can you just talk a little bit about why you created it what it is and, and what you do yeah i would love to so wizards in space literary magazine is a printed book Each issue is somewhere around 140 pages, sometimes more if we get really ambitious. Um, And it's a collection of art, poetry, fiction, um, flash fiction, nonfiction essays, um, and all different things that are kind of coalesced around a theme that we release and that we get submissions for. And one of the things that we love about our magazine is that we're capable of paying people. So every writer that's featured in the magazine is actually paid. We pay for their to feature their work. And the staff is also paid. And the designer gets paid and all these things. So that was really important to us when we wanted to create a magazine. We wanted to really be a, a paying market. Um, and then also... Something that I love about our magazine, too, is that we're an international magazine, so we accept submissions from all over the world, and then, therefore, we get to ship really cool, you know, issues, like, all over the world as well. So, um, and our stories range in topic from sometimes really current and really political or um, things that are old, you know, old stories that people are telling um, or processing through, you know, nonfiction essays around the theme and the theme for this upcoming issues is bridges and barriers awesome awesome well so you mentioned a little bit about the theme for this upcoming edition and that's what you're able to pre-order right now yeah so um could, could you talk a little bit about you know what you have coming up for that edition yeah so every year we put out a different theme and we used to not do themes as a literary magazine i was like i don't want to limit anybody's creativity. But there are so many literary magazines to submit to that we learned that actually putting out a really loose concept or theme helps people know what to send us. So we decided to start putting out themes. And uh, this year we chose a theme, Bridges and Barriers. And we really liked this idea of 
um, examining those two concepts in conversation with one another. So a bridge to something, um, you know, and what that might mean or a barrier. And I think sometimes both a bridge and a barrier, as we learned in our submissions, can be a powerful and positive tool. Um, it's really easy to think of bridges as the positive thing and barriers as the negative thing. But in so many of the stories, we saw people kind of like using barriers as um, self-care or creating a boundary and standing their ground, which was a really cool thing to see. And we got some really interesting stories about bridges and barriers and in in some really interesting ways. So there's this one story about uh, a person that's traveling and they sit down at a park to play bridge with some of the locals. And that was like, I never even thought with bridges and barriers that we might get a game of bridge, but also bridging a language gap. It was like really cool. So the way that this theme was interpreted by our submitters and ultimately the creators that are featured in the book are unbelievable. That's awesome. I really love that theme too. You know, when I was running the mark, I always wanted to do themed editions, but the the themes that I would always come up with in my head, they just seemed too cheesy. But I really love what you do with the themed editions. And I know Adam had a couple questions for you, so I'll stop I'll stop um taking up all of the the talking time here. Well, I, actually, now now that you've discussed that theme, there's probably no way to to track this. But I I love that theme because you, you writers definitely probably have something that relates to that. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that invites them to write something specifically for the magazine rather than I'm, I've been shopping this piece for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, I love how broad that is. Yet, like it's so it's such a universal theme. Yep. Is this the first issue where you've had a theme? No, we had um our first two this is our seventh. Our first two did not and everything else after that. But f- on that point we actually got some pieces that were being shopped around that fit the theme really well, especially poetry. I find that poetry gets more shopped than written for. But we actually have a returning creator that wrote in the same universe as another piece that we had published. And we ended up choosing that piece. And it was kind of as we were deliberating about the piece, we were like, wait, this feels like something we've seen before, but in a whole new way. Um, And so that was really cool because when we chose that piece, ultimately that became a bridge to a previous Wizards in Space issue. So there's all, and and the creator ended up writing it directly, like for us based on the theme. And she was like, I always wanted to return to that world and that universe, but I never knew how. And the bridge and barriers theme unlocked a way to do that. So it was just like meta in all cool ways. That's that's amazing. What are some of the other themes that you've had before? Um, We had uh, last issue was foraging. Um, so that was a really interesting that we had decided pre pandemic that we wanted to do foraging because a lot of us on staff, we like, we love nature and we love cooking. And, um, so the idea of like going out and collecting things and then bringing them back was really beautiful, um, to us. And then the fact that it kind of lined up in the pandemic when there's a lot of like feelings of survival and like using what you have in your house already and like looking within for things that you might need that you used to get outside, that ended up being a really beautiful issue. That was our sixth one. Our fifth issue, I can't remember if we ever named the theme, but it was Cycles. I think we we called it Cycles, um, beginning and ends and things like that. And so we got like in there a poem about the Ouroboros that I really loved um, that kind of blurred those lines between the beginning and ends of things. 
And then our other theme was um, spaces and places or places in space and things like that. And that was a lot of stories about um, like the places that make you where you are or maybe a place that you needed to escape from and arrive at somewhere else. And so we are feel always feel very lucky with how people interpret our themes. Um, mm-hmm. And we do try to keep them vague and like conceptual because if you get too narrow, then, you know, you're not going to get you know, a, a diverse collection, you know, I enjoy, I really enjoy that you have a diverse collection, not only a diverse collection, but a diverse means of communication. Like you have comic strips, you have artwork that pairs very well with, with what else is included in there. Yeah, we do publish a diverse range of things. My, the staff has built over time, but it started out with just me and our art director, Riley. And Riley at the time was a young high school student, and we wanted to kind of invest in art as well and kind of grow into it. So we've always wanted that to be part of what we do because like Wizards in Space, the magazine was born out of this idea of like, I have passions that I like as Olivia Dolphin and I'm, you know, going to participate in fandom communities or online communities. And I never felt like I was always represented in like the DIY projects that were happening online because I didn't always have the same skill set or the same access to early audio recording equipment and things like that. It doesn't mean that I couldn't have figured it out or done it like a lot of people did back in the myspace days when you just record something Mm -hmm. and put it up on myspace and you can connect with people that way um but i was like a classical flute player so it was like that was my musical outlet and i was like i can't get this classical flute playing to relate to harry potter unless i'm playing hedwig's theme which then warner brothers is going to come after me so um so i wanted to make sure we weren't like we were being inclusive as much as we could with the with the printed issue. So obviously we have to print like black and white comics that fit in a five by seven. And that is limiting in some ways. But we're always looking for ways to make sure that we're not excluding any type of creativity that could be featured in our book. Fantastic. Those were actually all impromptu questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love them. Jess, do you, do you want to switch over to some of your questions? Yeah. So... For the mark, um, I did that mainly when I was in college, and I always wanted to be able to pay contributors. I just could not, you know, I could not figure that part out of it or Mm -hmm. that part out because, you know, I was in college. I had no money. And um, I know in a lot of other literary magazines, they're not able to pay either. So I was kind of wondering, you know, how do you fund, um, you know, the, you mentioned you pay every single contributor. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Yeah. So historically, we were crowdfunded. So we went on Kickstarter and then um, switched over to Indiegogo and we would crowdfund um, typically two issues at once. And that was a really great tool for us as a literary magazine. And I encourage other lit mag editors to look into it because um, you can use micro donations to add up to a larger sum. And that worked for us for a really long time. Our last Indiegogo brought in about $11,000 and that we were able to use to make two issues. And each issue costs typically around $5,000 to make. And that is paying the creators, paying the staff, paying the designer, paying the 
for the printing and the shipping and then and then so we pay to ship it to us and then we and then we have to ship to the people that bought the book um that got us a little bit of a back stock as well so we could go to events and sell at different events um and other costs like are submittable which makes um applying or submitting to us like as inclusive as possible because um submittable is really user friendly um so that is that's like what it costs to make a literary magazine so without crowdfunding we wouldn't be able to do that but crowdfunding puts a lot of strain on us as a staff um because each kind of tier of support comes with a really special perk and we like to really individualize those so it was a lot of work on us as a staff and i felt like it was taking away from the literary magazine which is the thing that people were paying for to begin with and like everything else was extra so this year we have decided to do our pre-order campaign and kind of slim down the amount that we print um and kind of print more to order um and so we can get the book done while we're kind of fundraising for to get it done um and that's been an adventure and it's been scary to rely on a different means of funding but um we saw a lot of success with it with the black girls create anthology so we decided to adopt this financial model ourselves awesome can you talk a little bit about that anthology i know that's not really something that you're still doing but can people still get it yes want to um you can go okay so let me talk about it first and then i'll tell you where to get it because you'll want it and then you'll go um so we have a partner group that we love to work with and they're called um black girls create and we met through um they also run a harry potter podcast and so for anybody listening if you haven't figured out yet i was involved in the harry potter fandom for a really long time (laughs) so we met through that um and their mission is to help um black creators kind of organize their creativity and they have a discord and like uh, there's a lot of editing and shopping s- stories, and it's a it's a true creative community. And then they also have projects that they do. So they do a lot of podcasting. They have a lot of um, like entertainment reporting on their website and things like that. And you can submit to them. Um, but over the years, we've been talking, and I was like, "Hey, you guys love to, you know, encourage your members." in your community to write like have you ever thought about putting that together in an anthology and they were like yes and so finally last year was a great time for all of us so we collaborated on the black girls create anthology which was um then titled these bewitching bonds and it was a collection of all black creators and their work and we did the same kind of process uh, submissions and acceptances and things like that but that was a digital anthology which you can get at bgcanthology.com. And that was just such an awesome partnership. And the ultimate goal was to kind of like share knowledge and share the skill set that we learned doing Wizards in Space and saying like, hey, if you guys want to do this in the future, like let's partner on this first one. And then we can kind of like see where it goes from there. Awesome. I love that. I love when people help other people. That's yeah, the best it was kind so fun. And stuff. it was also we're good friends. And it was like, it was the perfect time to partner. And it was really cool to see BGC and like Black Girls Create and Wizards in Space together on a project because we had been kind of like, um, just partners, you know, for so long. So it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. I would I'll imagine throw- too, it's, it's very easy to feel isolated <laughs> just the nature of nature of the beast but having those overlaps um, mm-hmm. that creates a larger community yeah and that outside was, of the community that was something that we wanted to do like 
we're always like um, signal boosting Black Girls Create and they do the same for us. So it was like, okay, well, let's take it the next step because we're always trying to make sure that our submission process is inclusive and available to so many people. But the way to do that is to go out there and let people know we exist. So that was awesome to pair with them for that. And then I think that they've always wanted to do this anthology. And we were like, okay, well, we have all this knowledge, like, let's share it. So it worked out so well. We were really proud of the outcome. I'll throw it back to Adam for for more questions. If you have any more. Uh, Yeah, I saw that you have events listed on your website. Can you talk to us a little bit about what those have been in the past? Yeah, absolutely. We love events. Our we do a lot. So one of our flagship events would always be open mics. And that would be something that I would do here. I'm based in Providence, Rhode Island. So we would do them in Rhode Island. Or if we were at a conference, I would always ask the conference if they were interested in doing like a open mic share event. Um, so sometimes at LeakyCon, which is a Harry Potter conference, or even some of the science fiction fantasy conventions we would attend, like we could kind of host like a reading or an open mic, which was awesome. And that for me, I growing up in fan spaces, I had a really hard time with um, like the culture of it and the um, like the big name fan culture and like the special guest culture of it all. And I was kind of like, I don't like this. Like everybody... Like, these people work so hard and they deserve, you know, most of the time, most people deserve the attention that they're getting. But there's so many people that just come to these conferences because they love, like, creating and they love storytelling. So how can we turn the lens back on the people that made this community what it is? So that's why I wanted to do an open mic style so anybody could come and share their work. So that's kind of like one of our flagship events. And then um, we would we used to host these like huge um, launch parties in person um, events right before COVID hit. We had our fifth issue launch, and like that was fun because we would like serve food and drink and have a reading from the book and um, get together and like people would dress up, and it was like really fun. Um, so hoping to get back to that one day. Um, and then we've thought about and done in the past like some workshops. So we'll do online like. Um, sometimes I'll run like a blackout poetry workshop where you can take pages of the Harry Potter books and kind of reclaim them and make poetry out of them, which is, which is really fun. So we, we try to do a lot of things, uh, but the pandemic obviously (laughs) interrupted a lot of that, but. Is this something that you do full time then Wizards in Space or because you do that's a lot of work, but, um, (laughs) what, what do you do full time then? My job, my day job is a UX content strategist at Liberty Mutual. So I work okay. in insurance. Um, and what that means basically is I just help the, um, like if you needed a renter's insurance quote for your apartment and you wanted to do that all online, I help make that as easy as possible. So that's my day job. Um, so Wizards in Space is a true passion project. And I'm very, um, I'm very lucky to have a robust staff of really talented people that understand that while they do get a thank you, you know, amount of money, um, that it is still a passion project. Um, and they put in a lot of time. I don't, I couldn't do it without my staff. We have editors, we have designers. I, um, Ari Kuntz recently took over the social media, which is really awesome, um, because they do it so much better than I was doing it. (laughs) So, um, you know, admit what you're bad at and find somebody that's better at it is my advice. Um, so yeah, so that's so not my full time job. It, I sometimes I wish it could be, but no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I had one more question, um, but it's kind of like a, a wrap up at the end question. Adam, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? I also had one more question. Uh, can you give us maybe one or two of your favorite 
literary magazines? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, there is this magazine out there that exists. It's digital. It's called Taco Bell Quarterly. And the pieces are all about Taco Bell. And at first, That's I didn't awesome. know what to expect. Yeah, it's awesome. Talk about quarterly. I didn't know what to expect. And then they released their latest issue. And the pieces obviously are all themed around Taco Bell. But the pieces in the poetry that I was reading are like heavy hitting. Like they pack a punch. And uh, I was expecting kind of a like a joke vibe. Um, but mm. they managed to kind of s- to straddle the line of like this um, funny concept of Taco Bell. But the literature that they publish is actually like really moving. So... Check out Taco Bell Quarterly. Um, the other magazine that I love, um, I'm trying to think of another one. We have so many that we work with. I want to shout out Sword and Kettle. Um, they're another partner of ours that um, they produce a lot of different projects. And so you should check them out. And we have a couple reviews of their recent works on our blog. Yeah, I saw Taco Bell Quarterly pop up when they had just made their Twitter account, and I was like, what, <laughs> like, no what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah, you should check it out and read the read the issue, the, at least their latest one. I, I had a blast. I had a blast, but then I was also sad. Like, I, I read one poem, and I had to put it down, and I was like, okay, I'll come back to this, which is the beauty of literary magazines, I think. Um, but yeah, so those are two of my top faves. <laughs> packs, awesome. packs a different punch than literal Taco Bell bags. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, so my kind of last question um, was, so you're currently closed for submissions. You're not taking anything right now, but you are going to open it back up soon, I'm assuming. So what kind of writing gets you really excited and what are you looking for in a submission? Oh, man. Okay, so I mostly focus on the poetry, so I'll talk about that first. Um... In terms of poetry, we love things that um, take a concept and really push it. So, um, so not shying away from a metaphor or a style um, and really doing something with it. But mostly with poems, like we want to know what you're feeling and w- like what got you to that place or whatever or or a story that you want to tell and then we also love poems about food so any <laughs> which is probably why I, I love to talk about quarterly so much but um <laughs> and poems about memory and the things that kind of like the your dna and your and the fabric of who you are and like i think we're really attracted to poems of that nature um but we really go for a lot of different things as long as it kind of fits our theme like we want to read it um but for short stories and comics and anything else like I guess the same kind of applies that we just want to see a little bit into your life and your story even if it's a fiction piece like we want to feel kind of like your raw energy and a lot of our pieces tend to have a a refined honesty to them that we we really love um and like that's what we're trying to to kind of do with what 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 we're doing is it's really based in a desire for connection so so some really refined honesty is is what we're kind of looking for but we like to be surprised too i know every literary editor probably says that but we do like to be surprised so if you want to push form or try um whatever the only thing i will say is to think about what you're submitting that it has to fit into a five by seven printed book. So we've fallen in love with poems before that 
are kind of set up a certain way and we'll work with the writer to say, okay, where, where can we kind of fiddle with some of your line breaks to make this fit in a five by seven book? Or do you want to try it in an essay, like a prose form and see if that works? Um, Cause we're really, we want this story, but then and same with artwork and comics. Like we really have to make sure it's going to shine in a five by seven format. Um, so that would be my biggest advice is something that we struggled with last time is I don't think people realize that we love it, but we're not a digital magazine. We're a printed magazine. So it has to print in our format. But you're able to do, if there's a story that's, you know, more than one page, you're able to still do that, right? Definitely. Yeah. So um, it's where, yeah, we can do that. Prose can be like, uh, we have some word formats and like, uh, like lengths that we prefer, but I'm thinking like, Sometimes we've get, gotten poems that are in the shape of something, and so we can't – like, I think we got a poem that was in the shape of a teardrop that we kind of really liked, but we couldn't publish it because it wasn't going to fit. The font was going to mm-hmm. have to be so small that we couldn't print it to look mm-hmm. the way that the author had intended. Or sometimes, like, poetry, the lines are really, really long, and so we can only fit a certain number of words on a page before we have mm-hmm. to – we're forced to break Um but yeah, but we have some, I think, fiction, like we, it has to be under, my edit, editor's going to be mad, but it has to be under like 3,000 words, I think. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that yeah. sounds good. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. have to submit something. I've really yes. fallen off of that, of I'll write stuff, but I, I just never submitted. So it's easy. It's, to- I mean, it's another job to sit there and find literary magazines that fit your voice and then to think about the theme or to pick a literary magazine and then write directly for it. I mean, it's so much work. And I, we kind of talk a little bit about this. We write an intro for every issue and we kind of talk about like, not only is it brave to even sit and write your story, but then it's brave to share it. And then that doesn't even begin to cover the logistical aspect of submitting and the cost, the physical cost of submitting to multiple magazines that might have a reading fee. Um, And we don't have a reading fee because of that, because like we could make a couple extra bucks if we charged people like three bucks every submission. I mean, I understand why literary magazines do it, but I find it to be a blocker. You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get from, you're not going to hear from certain voices because it's a financial barrier. Um, So it's a lot it's a lot of work. So we really, really aim to make it as easy as possible to submit to us and to get your voice heard. Yeah. And like you said, too, it's another job to find magazines that are open. So the something I used to do for The Mark, but um, I'm now doing it for the Lit These Days blog, is that I'm compiling a list of literary magazines that are open for submissions, oh, and I'm awesome. posting that every single Sunday for so people can have a really simple way to figure out who's open without having to spend, you know, eight hours looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, and I think we want to even go further. We kind of rehauled our submission process this year, but we want to take it even further and be like, how can we just like quickly, like easy, let people know what we're looking for, Um, which is hard because we're looking for these really complicated, you know, intense, emotionally raw pieces. And like, how do you distill that into like three words? So, um, but I think like letting people know where to submit is awesome. And when we open for issue eight, which is so far in the future, I don't know when, um, probably summer, I think we're trying to do our submission reading in the summer because one of our um, editors is a teacher and one, another of our editors is a parent. So the summer kind of worked out for us. So maybe summer 
next year for issue eight will be open. Awesome. Well, everyone will have to keep their eyes open for it. I got to say, too, it's it's so unique. Uh, and I haven't submitted in years, but some something that was a guiding light to me was, oh, it's in print as well. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me prioritize that over the other ones. And not that there's any problem with digital only, but there's there's such a huge market for mm-hmm. that. Whereas I feel like print has gone off the wayside. And like, yeah. Oh, that a- extra bonus of I can see my name in a mm-hmm. book is is amazing. So I imagine you get um, submissions from people who might not be submitting to other magazines. Yeah, I definitely think that. And and you, you hit the nail on the head. That's why we wanted to be a printed issue. I mean, we could save the printing costs and the shipping costs if we were digital. But I just when we were born out of this, you know, idea of of flipping the lens. And so I wanted somebody's name or a book that you loved or a book that you donated to or a book that you submitted to or a book that you were published in or a book that you love reading, whatever it is, to be right up on the shelf next to John Green, uh, J.K. Rowling, although she's not on my shelf anymore, that's for sure. But anyway, so that idea of like, you, we can love these authors so much and I wanted to even the playing field a little bit by creating a magazine that also got printed and also goes on a shelf metaphorically we're not i'm not really evening the playing field (laughs) in somebody's (laughs) house maybe i am (laughs) but you're you're evening it for that person which is incredibly meaningful and admirable thank you yeah trying so we'll see but if you're interested in pre-ordering every pre-order counts um and we even have like a like sponsor creator so if you want to really directly know that you're um helping one of our 25 creators then you can choose that option um otherwise this issue is so packed with meaningful pieces and meaningful voices and just gorgeous prose and gorgeous poetry that i think it's worth a read so Awesome. Well, I didn't have any other questions. Adam, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, other than thank you. Thank you so much for what you're what you're doing. Um, I think I think you're (laughs) when you open back up, I think I will stop my hiatus of just not submitting anything. (laughs) Please do. We love to read it. And thank you guys for what you're doing. I think things go both ways. Like you need to have um, these conversations to let people know that like lit mags like us are out there and we want to read your work and we want to publish it and we want to connect with other writers so i was so happy when when this kind of worked out and kind of fell um fell together so thank you both so much yeah thank you so much for for being on um i'll have the wizards in space um linked in our show notes and just kind of doing a little spiel that I always do at the end of our episodes. Um, we are looking for people, if anyone listening, we are looking for people um, to ask us for a book recommendation. And so it's a really simple process where you go to our website, there you click on the get recommendation form, and then you just ask us for a book recommendation. You can ask us for um, like a read-alike to a book that you liked reading in the past or a, a book in a specific genre anything like that you can do whatever you want so we are looking for for more of those so anyone listening if you want to go to do that that would be really helpful and you can also follow us on um, instagram and you can become uh, one of our people in our discord if you like i'll have both of those things listed in the show notes as well and yeah thanks everyone so much for listening Thank you, Internet people. Thank you, Olivia. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you so much.